Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? All you powerful parents out there, thank you for taking time out of your day to make your marriage a little bit better and get better at parenting. Ooh, what an honor to talk to you today. Good friend, Johnny Baker on the podcast. He is the president of Celebrate Recovery. We're going to talk about addiction. What do you do if your spouse falls off the wagon? What do you do if you have a spouse that struggles with addiction, gets some help, does well, and then falls off the wagon? That is something that we deal with all the time here on Rebel Parenting, and we appreciate Johnny Baker for helping us through this process. Let's dive into it. Here is Johnny Baker on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Johnny Baker, thank you so much for coming on Rebel Parenting today. We really appreciate it. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Johnny, you've got a book called The Road to Freedom, and it's healing from your hurts, hangups, and habits. You work with Celebrate Recovery. Your dad and mom, John Sr., started Celebrate mm-hmm. Recovery. Um, was it cel- started at Saddleback? It was, yeah. I was wow. started here at Saddleback in 1991. My goodness. In 91. Oh, I was there. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Absolutely. I've been I've been at Saddleback for a long, long time. Johnny, we wanted to have you on because when we started Rebel Parenting, we started getting lots of emails from people that struggle with addiction, whether it's pornography, uh, recreational drugs, Alcoholism. hard drugs, alcohol, prescriptions. A lot of prescriptions. It's yeah. a big deal out there. And I think one of the things couples struggle with a lot is when someone falls off the wagon. Uh, and... Studies show that if you struggle with addiction and you do go to rehab or you do kick, the chances of you falling off the wagon are pretty high. And that seems to really, oftentimes divorce happens or people get kicked out or there's isolation or separation. And yes, sometimes I think that's necessary, but I don't think it's always necessary. And so we wanted to come to you. You've got so much experience in this. Mm -hmm. You're leading people to freedom. You're working to celebrate recovery. What happens when a spouse falls off the wagon? Yeah, I think there's so much that goes into this conversation, and I'm glad that we're having it. I I think, you know, the big thing is, like you mentioned, what what we're talking about here is relapse. And oftentimes people say relapse is a part of recovery. And it often is, but it doesn't have to be. It is preventable and it's predictable. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Mm -hmm. what we can do is we can kind of, we can get into that in a minute. But I think- One of the things that happens a lot with when you talk about, you know, people are kicked out and things like that, the the behavior that the addict has has shown and and I'm a recovering alcoholic myself, so I'm not casting this at anyone else. I'm saying, you know, this is something that I've I've experienced at some point. It gets so bad for the family, so bad for that other person that boundaries are set. Once a boundary is set, that person often. Um, when the relapse happens, it feels like an attack against those boundaries. Oh, and, okay. and so, uh, in celebrate recovery, one thing that's important in the context of this conversation is it's for not just for the addict and the alcoholic, but it's for anybody with, as you mentioned, with any addiction or for the spouse and for the kids mm. and that kind of stuff. And so as a spouse, oh, for the gets entire the unit, sorry, exactly. Okay, exactly. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Because what happens is the, the, Addict's behavior doesn't just affect the addict; it, it affects the entire family. Right. The whole, Absolutely. Yeah. 
It deteriorates so, the whole family. Yeah, it really can, you know. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, part of my story is my dad is was is a recovering alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His alcoholism affected our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took some of that on myself, affected my wife, thankfully got sober before we had kids. But um mm-hmm. but you know, one really wanted to break that cycle of dysfunction in our family is a big part of our story. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it gives you a really unique perspective. Thanks. You know, growing up in it and having it yourself. It's that's such a common occurrence when a parent struggles with an addiction so often children struggle with it as well did you see it early on did you notice those tendencies like i have an addictive personality we noticed that really really early on i love to dive <laughs> head first into whatever it is and it's gotten me into trouble at times so yeah did you see that growing up was it something you're like oh that might be a problem someday a hundred percent but <laughs> also i also had for a long time i had a um I had this idea that I wasn't going to struggle with alcoholism. Mm. I just kind of was like, nope, I'm going to, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to go anywhere near it. And then Mm. I Mm. started to believe, you know what, maybe my dad just didn't know how to do it right. And, you know, I all be able to control it and then just went completely crazy. (laughs) You know what? That's interesting because it starts like that. It does. And with addiction, that's so interesting. When you talk to alcoholics and you talk to addicts, right? In their brain, what they're saying is, it won't happen this time. I know it won't happen this time. I know what happened last time. I know what I did last time. I know it triggered me last time. This time, it won't happen. I know it won't happen. I've grown up. I've, I've gone to counseling. I've, I've been to the 12 steps. This time, it won't happen. That is virtually a universal thought in the mind of an addict. Right. And so that's when we talk about that, that predictability of relapse. My, my dad has a book called Life Healing Choices. And in it, he has this predictable pattern of relapse. And it starts with what you're talking about, confusion. It starts with this idea of like, well, is it really a big deal? I mean. Confusion is the first. Yeah. Uh, like the road back. To, yeah. Like, so to everybody relapse. sort of relapse? points. Everybody points to like the drink or the drug or the looking at whatever the thing is as the relapse. And what happens is people go, I don't know how it happened. I just slipped. But the reality is, is there really is a, a progression that gets you there. There's a slide. And so there's, was that? <laughs> there's like a slide that takes right, you right down right. to the road. Yeah, there are little steps along the way. So we get confused, we get complacent, mm-hmm. then we start to make, um, I always, this is the one that always gets me, you guys. It's always this one that I try to, that I have to kind of jog my memory for. Um, oh gosh, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> It's a C word, and it's what we start. Compromises. Compromises. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, so embarrassing. Fantastic. I did it earlier no, on another no. uh, our Facebook thing too, uh, and then comes the catastrophe, and so we start. We, it it's easy to see, and if you're talking mm. to someone in recovery, you can start to kind of see these things pop up, and they'll say maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah. Or, or I think I can control it now. Like you were saying, Ryan, like this, I think it's okay now. It's not that big of a deal. Or I've been sober for six months. Doesn't that prove I'm not an alcoholic? Mm. And these little chinks in the armor start to show up. And then pretty, pretty soon it's, you're in trouble. Yep. Yep. So today, as we're recording this, it's July 2nd. Uh, in 10 days, I will have uh, eight years uh, without alcohol. And Congratulations. Yay. Thanks. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Good job, babe. Thank you. Um, And I'll tell you what, when I am, this is a funny word to use, but when I am at my most sober, Uh 
I know it's still a good idea. Because as I look back over the last eight years, when I really, really was like, man, wouldn't it be great to have a drink today? It's, <laughs> you look back historically, and it's like, wow, that was a terrible season to, to introduce that back into your life. Uh-huh. You know, that situation, that season, that scenario, that incident, virtually every single one of them was a bad idea. I'll tell you where I got triggered and I didn't know it, and uh, Laura helped me with it. I got into baking bread for a while, Okay. And using that much yeast got it back into my senses. Yeah. And I started going, oh, I'm, I'm craving something. And it was a kind yeah. of an odd thing, but. Yeah. Just the smell. Yeah, I love that confusion because there have been times in the last eight years. And that's why I do have people around me. I do have counselors and I've got my wife and I've got people that I trust to say, you know, where I can say, you know, hey, I've thought about it or. You know, I've thought, hey, it'd be nice to have a beer again. And people are like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and it's not this, <gasps> you know, that's what I, that's what's hard for someone that struggles is going to someone that flips out. If you go, hey, I thought about drinking today and they go, but you can't, you, right. you know, you can't. And just, they freak out on you. are like, I, I know that's why I'm, I'm trying to talk to you about it. Right. And I think that's why, like you were saying, counselors or recovery groups and people around you that understand the struggle, it's so important because mm-hmm. if you're just talking to people who have been hurt by your addiction, they're going to have that response. Mm-hmm. They're going to have that response of like, oh, no, you're going to go back to the old ways where somebody, right. you know, you and I sitting across the table from each other, you talk about that. I go, oh, yeah, that happened to me last Christmas. I was in line at CVS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought I'd love to buy a bottle of whiskey with the fancy glasses in it and i went what is happening (laughs) yeah and so i called my sponsor in line at cvs and said hey you're gonna stay on the phone with me until i'm done getting my prescription and then and was able to make it through that momentary momentary trigger yeah but if i would have called somebody who was going to be triggered by that then it could have been worse and worse could have been worse oh okay hang on a second i gotta uh, jump into two things uh two things i know i'm so and I, i promise i'll let you First of all, calling your sponsor in that moment, there are people out there that would be like, oh my goodness, are you really that weak? That's the strongest thing a person with an addiction can do to say, yes, I am. And our scripture says that when I am weak, then he is strong because I understand I don't have the power myself to say, I can't, I, I can't believe I'm triggered. I can't believe I'm tempted. How ridiculous this is. It makes me angry. It makes me sad. I want to hide this. Uh-uh, I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to call somebody responsible. I'm going to get through this. That may be one of the bravest things a person can do. Awesome. I agree. Yeah. Well, I talk, you know, one of the, the first chapter of my book is admitting you have a problem doesn't make you weak okay. or doesn't mean you're weak. And I think for that's sure. the, that is the whole thing is saying this is an area of struggle for me is so important Yes. because if we don't do that, then you're setting yourself up for this false expectation that you're going to be able to handle everything and you're just not. Okay, perfect. Well, and two things, I'll jump off that one. How would you suggest inviting community that maybe don't struggle with it, but that you want to enlarge your community so you have um, like Mm. protection around you or an armor around you? You know, we, we are the body of Christ and I believe community helps in every area of life your character development your addiction uh your lack of spirituality or your Mm -hmm. whatever Uh, yeah how do you tell those around you hey you know what i know you don't know this about me and it's kind of embarrassing but i struggle with addiction and so but i would love for more you know not like i don't know what i think about accountability but just for more uh openness freedom freedom because the truth will set you free right it's the road to freedom right johnny 
how do we do that? Yeah, I think you have to be open and honest about your struggle. And then you do kind of have to remember that people are going to have that like intake of air and that kind of like, oh, my gosh, moment that, you know, I remember when I first got sober, I'd go to a restaurant and they would be like, you know, do you, can I get you a beer? I'd be like, I have a drinking problem. Thank you very much. And it was just like, <laughs> you know, maybe not everybody needs to know yeah, yeah, all yeah. of my stuff all the time. That's but funny, too, I think because having those. I'm so sorry. As a as someone that doesn't drink, that's the other one too. When you go to a party, you go to something like, "Oh, hey, can I have a drink?" Oh no, I don't drink. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. uh we've hey. got uh, um, there's a uh, there's sparkling water in the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you know I have a good friend whose daughters are uh, whose oldest daughter is just in college, and she's made the decision not to drink while she's in college. And she said that one of the things that she does oh. it was so funny because she's like Johnny, all I do is I just say it's a personal decision, and I was like. Uh, oh yeah, that, awesome. I guess that works, doesn't yeah. it? You know, yep. yeah. but, but to your point about accountability, I think it's so important. I think however you build that in, whether it's through recovery groups, whether it's through small group at your church, whether yeah. it's through just talking to friends about it, it's so important to have it. And, you know, we, you know, we often talk about sponsors in recovery and I love my sponsor. He's actually near you guys. He's in Colorado. We talk all the time on the phone. He's a great, great man, mm. but he's also in Colorado and I'm in California. Yep. I have dozens of accountability partners in my phone that I call and text all the time. The secret is some of them don't know they're my accountability partners. They just think they're friends of mine. And <laughs> we just talk, you know, but in my mind, they're accountability partners yep. and they help keep me on the road. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Definitely. And then my next question is, um, what are, so the spouse, what are some of the tools that you can give to the spouse who is watching their spouse go back out and drink again and relapse again, maybe getting some time, getting six months, going back out, getting a year, going back out, get, you know, kind of that th thing. Yeah. I mean, definitely what I would tell them is to, to find recovery for themselves, whether that's Al-Anon or celebrate recovery mm -hmm. and work on some codependency issues, a counselor support around them as well. Read, you know, Townsend and Cloud's book boundaries. There's oh, yeah. so many different things that are available for, for that person. Um, and then to learn what their boundaries are and then stick to those boundaries because mm. I do believe relapse is preventable, but if the landing is too safe and easy and it, 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 it kind of makes it easier to go back out and go back out and go back out. So there does need to be some accountability. Now, Ryan was, you were saying like the big freak out moment and the whole thing of whether when it's a conversation or a man, I wish I could, or I'm thinking about it. Mm -hmm. If that is the same as. I went to Vegas and I had a bender. Right. If the response is the same, then some, now we're in some trouble, sure, you know? Sure. So I okay. think some recovery for the spouse is really important as well. It's true. Yeah. And, and I can speak to that hundred percent. The more therapy the spouse can get, the less triggered you'll be. The more calm yeah. you'll be, the more tools you'll have, the more secure the, that foundation will get back. You feel like a boxer that's been knocked and you're on your heels. Right. It'll give right. you that support. It doesn't mean it will be easy. It doesn't mean you won't experience pain. It does mean you'll be going through it with somebody that's a professional. Yeah. That's yeah. trained in this. It's it's one of the greatest things you can do. We are such firm believers in therapy, in counselors, yeah. and in getting help. Johnny, can yeah. I ask you a question? Yeah, please. I think sometimes um, I wonder, some of the people wonder, what is the definition of alcoholism? Yeah, you know, I think it varies from person to person. I really do. People okay. will say to me, do you think I'm an alcoholic? And I'll say, I don't know if you're an alcoholic or yeah. not. But if alcohol is a problem for you, then I think I think it is. I, for me, 
I'll just tell you my definition in my own life. There was a moment where alcohol went from something I enjoyed to something I needed. And that was the transition for me. I was lying about drinking every night to my wife. We were married for the first four years of our marriage. I drank behind her back Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. hid it as much as I could. Mm -hmm. Um, I I got a DUI in 1999. We got married in 2000. Mm. I I didn't stop drinking in 1999. I stopped driving after I drank because I thought the problem was the car, Um, (laughs) not the booze. (laughs) So um, it wasn't until she got pregnant with our oldest daughter that I went, well, I need to stop this Mm. and started attending Celebrate Recovery for my alcoholism issues. Um, But so for me, the, the, the definition is I needed it. I had to have it. Totally. Okay, thank you for that distinction. What was that like? Mm-hmm. Your parents founded Celebrate Recovery. All of a sudden, you're married. <laughs> you're Johnny Baker. Come on. Right. I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I understand that feeling. I just want to hear it from another person. Yeah. What's it like <laughs> exactly. when, you know, like Laura and I go to marriage counseling, and I've been divorced. You know, my dad's James Dobson, marriage and family right. counseling. I went through a divorce, <laughs> and we go to therapy regularly, and so... One, what was it like? And can you give some encouragement to people that are like, yeah, but my friends are going to know. And what, what do I do? It's, it's that shame and embarrassment for you. It had to just be like bananas. Yeah. Well, I talk about when I got arrested in 99, I <laughs> had to call my dad from the jail, oh, no. you know? And so calling not just dad, but founder and pastor of Celebrate Recovery, oh, yeah. there was some big oh, shame. No. In that oh, you're oh. my new best friend for sure. <laughs> Wow. Right. I feel like you and I have a lot in common that, Kindred you know, spirits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The But so walking those doors to to, you know, walking back into those doors, because I had gone through Celebrate Recovery as a teenager and worked on some codependency issues and a child of an alcoholic and some of those mm. things. But walking back in the doors now as an alcoholic, there were moments where I thought, what am I doing to my parents when I do this? You know, like, mm. but I found such a welcome you know, from all the people that were there as I began to work on my issues, they didn't care who I was. They didn't care that my name was Johnny Baker. Now, once I started working for Celebrate Recovery, some of them cared and some of them were not happy. But Isn't that funny? Oh, that just makes me laugh so much. That's a whole different story, but we understand. The most intimate experience in addiction and recovery shouldn't work in addiction and recovery. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so it's I hear a whole it. Thing. I see but, it. It's common. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah. So, but, but it's, but yeah, that's been a long time now, but, but, you know, I do think there is that there is such this like feeling of, I can't go, I can't show up. What if my yeah. friends know? What if my, what if the people sitting next to me in church every Sunday know that I've got a problem? The reality of it is we all do. We all have issues. Every one of us could be in recovery. Every one of us could be in counseling. Every one of us could be in therapy. Mm. And there's no shame in that. And I think Mm. one of my passions is breaking that stigma that like, oh, you're so messed up. You had to go to a counselor. It's like, no, I'm so afraid (laughs) of being messed up. I went to a counselor or, you know. Oh, I just say yes. Both. Yes. 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 So much. Yeah. I'm starting to, I've only seen him once and I've got my second appointment on Thursday with a new counselor. And yeah, we are such firm believers in that. I can tell you that my life has been upgraded and leveled up over and over and over again because I've hired somebody whose sole purpose in life is to get people past their roadblocks and obstacles. And who's whether, a professional. That's right. Whether it's marriage or parenting or addiction or life or business. Yep. Oh my goodness. It is Coaching. so amazing to have someone focus on you and go, oh no, I can help you. I well, can. Getting that third 
perspective, I think for anybody, whether you're in addiction or not, I, I think you're talking about with a sponsor mm. or a coach. Um, I love to coach volleyball and I always think of coaches as being able to see what I can't see. And so I grew up always an athlete played sports my whole life and so I always subscribe to having a mentor or a coach or a counselor or someone in that has that other perspective because I get narrow-minded and I only see what I see and I think I'm right and that doesn't work all the time it's so (laughs) crucial I mean Bible the Bible says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed Mm -hmm. and you know we want forgiveness we go to God we want to be healed we go to each other Mm -hmm. and I think it's so important that the addict, and I think most people like to isolate. They like to pull away and say, I got this, I've got it covered, no problem. Fighting against that isolation and going into community or mm. counseling or whatever that is that that gets somebody else to speak into your life. Mm-hmm. Other people can see things in my life, both the positive and the negatives that I can't see. Correct. I'll talk to myself in ways I would never talk to somebody else. I call myself names that I wouldn't call my wife, I wouldn't call my kids, I wouldn't call you two, and I'm just yeah. meeting you. Yep. Yeah. And so I think having somebody else to come step in and go, well, hold on, you made a mistake, you're not a loser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or Amen. you had a weird thought, that doesn't mean, you know, whatever that thing, just having somebody else to come in and say, I'm watching you change, I'm watching you grow. It's so important. Mm, so important. Somebody oh, yeah. I love that you said yeah. that. That's, that's right. Someone mentor. that says, no, 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 I've known you for a while. I knew you here right. and I knew, I knew you, you here then, and I knew you here. Yeah. That's the other one too that I love with an outside source is they talk about your identity and behavior. No, no, no. You took a drink. You're not a loser. You did a bad mm-hmm. thing. Your identity is not bad. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, Johnny, and that's what I as- love about family, Johnny. I, I was just having this talk with my nephew and just to speak into his life like, hey, I, I knew you since you were born. Mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. what you're made of. I know your character and I know you might be struggling or whatever, but like just the, the enrollment of family in the struggle, mm. I think um, the value of that, I think got missed by the church. It's huge. Yep. It's huge. Having, having people, you know, and, and back to identity, you know, when in celebrate recovery, I don't say I'm Johnny, I'm an alcoholic. I say, I'm Johnny. I'm a believer who struggles with alcoholism. Uh, My identity is in Christ, not in alcohol. And it's so important because I think, you know, if we don't remember where our identity is, then it's so easy to go there. And having people who can say, like you did to your nephew and like people do in counseling and recovery groups and all that kind of stuff, say, no, 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 hold on. That's not who you are. Who you are is this. This is a current thing you're struggling with. It's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and Johnny, it's so important to do for other people too. What a yeah. what a cool thing it is to have somebody go, oh man, I'm always the one that does this. Like, no, you're not. I just saw you last week. You did this instead. You know, it's, just, right? it's yeah. so powerful to do that for others too. Definitely, definitely. So, Johnny, as a spouse who let's say, let's say that Laura struggles with addiction, and what are some of the things that I can look at that would be natural things that would that would kind of help tip the scale the wrong way? So I'm thinking, uh, for me. If you want to see me fail, uh, I have to lose a lot of sleep, <laughs> eat bad food, um, be by myself. So like when I used to travel and be on the road all the time, I had a team of people I would call because if you get hungry, mm-hmm. angry, lonely, tired, you have a pretty good recipe for failure. And I would go on the yeah. road and I would speak and it would be amazing and I would leave and go into my car by myself. I'm alone and I'd be starving, hungry, which makes me angry, exhausted, yeah. you know, and I would have to call people. So if you're a spouse and you're saying, you know, 
my spouse is losing a lot of sleep. There's a ton of stress. You know, there's some things that might be adding pressure to that. What are some of those things that can add pressure that we can step in? Sleep, stress, food. Yeah, I think so much of what you said, I think to I think to know each other and to have those conversations. Why it's why I think having counseling and recovery and all those things is so important as a couple that it's not just the addict's mm, problem. Okay. But it's we're doing this together and we're we're in this together so that you can say, Hey, I'm I'm noticing this. I'm noticing this trigger in you. So when before I got sober, my wife used to work in a doctor's office and I worked in a restaurant. And so we had just opposite shifts and we just crossed in the night a lot. And one thing I did was I would sneak in my alcohol in my gym bag. So I'd wait for her to go to bed and I'd say, hey, babe, I'm going to go get my gym bag out of the car so my car doesn't stink. And I would sneak in my booze that way. Years later, I've been sober for about four years and I really did forget something in my car. And I said, hey, I'm going to get my gym bag out of the car. And she was walking upstairs to go to bed and she just froze on the stairs. Mm. And, yeah. and I watched this happen and my heart broke because that was a trigger for her. So I got my gym bag. I came back in the house. I opened it up. I said, I need you to look through every part of this bag. And she goes, no, I don't. And she started to apologize to me. And I said, no, no, no. Yeah. I need to apologize to you because my action made that happen. But we had this beautiful conversation mm -hmm. where it was, you know, both of us were in it together. Yes. So I think you start to notice those triggers. And instead of being like, hey, Johnny, I'm watching this happen <laughs> and you're going to get in trouble. But hey, hey, babe, I'm... I'm yeah. worried about yeah. you. You're yeah. not sleeping. You're not taking care of yourself. You haven't been exercising. You haven't been calling your sponsor or reaching out. Right. This is always a recipe for disaster. What can we do to get you back yep. on the right track? Mm. That mm. conversation can be really powerful. Yeah. And here's what I want to I want to say to anybody that struggled, to anybody that's failed. Admitting you failed doesn't make you weak. It makes you strong. For you mm. to go to your wife and go, "Hey, look through this." And she's like, "No, no, no. It's okay. I'm sorry." No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry right. again. It broke my heart again. I did those things. I'm sorry. Please look through the bag. Get comfortable. It's okay that you got triggered. You know, we had uh, Amber Leah and uh, Wendy speak on with triggers. It's okay to get triggered. It's so natural. And to have that conversation brought intimacy back into your marriage for you yep. to go, I was wrong. I did those things. It's okay for you to be triggered. And please look through this bag mm -hmm. created such a different bond with you and your wife. That's what I want to tell rebels. Admit when you're wrong, just go yep. again. That will build back that intimacy. Yeah. The going, you again. know, one other thing that it did for me though, is it showed me what would happen if I did relapse. Yeah. It yeah. showed me some of the pain I would cause oh. if I did. And it was one of those moments where it was like, oh, this isn't free. This isn't, I just went out and had a drink. Yeah. This, it's not this just hurts me. other people in my life. And sometimes I need those reminders because I will get confused and I will go, oh man, I really, how come I can't do this? And how, you know, and it's like, oh, that's why, <laughs> that's yeah. what my actions mm -hmm. do. And, you know, it was a very powerful reminder for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually really glad it happened because it was, it was like you said, sure. Ryan, it brought some intimacy into that moment. It was really powerful. Johnny, you just said something that I'd love for you to address to the people that do struggle with addiction, because this is something that I've heard many, many, many times. Why does everyone else get to blow off steam and I can't? What's my yeah. thing? You guys go out, you have a drink or two. It's no big deal. No one condemns you. You know, you feel a little good, da, da, da. And I never get to do it. I never get to blow off steam. Where's my thing? Yeah. I mean, I'd just say you need to get to a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but but I get that, and I do, you know, and I think that's one of the things that is hard because there are people, and I have to keep telling myself this, there are people that can have a drink and it's not an issue for yep. them. Mm-hmm. And for me, though, it is. And so, you know, I think it is important to find healthy ways to do what you're saying, to blow off steam. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and, and for me, it, in the past, it's been exercising. Right now, I've been really bad at that. But it's something that I, and again, we talked about addictive personalities. I've gone way the other, way too far with that in the yeah. past as well. The legalism. But find, finding things to do to blow off steam, to take care of it. Because you're going to have it. You're going to yeah. have bad days. Yeah. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to be upset. You're going to be angry. Those that. things are natural <laughs> parts of life. Yep. What we have to do is figure out better ways to handle it than blowing off steam with a drink or with looking at something online or spending money or whatever it is that, that gets you going. Totally. Yes. Yep. Man, I love it. Anything else? Anything that you want to tell people? Oh, oh yeah. Do you, How do you think about the recovery program it seems like it, things have shifted in the way they're treating recover like the 30 days 29 day recovery programs it seems like it used to be all hospitals now it's going to like houses and homes um have you seen that shift or is that just something happening here in Colorado that's definitely happening and i think you know if you go to a sober living home or a rehab facility uh, i think it could be a very powerful start to your recovery mm-hmm. okay. but Cool. The one thing that I see happen a lot is that a parent will call and they'll say, I've got to get my son into this recovery house. Yeah. And I go, that's what we're getting. Yeah. I don't think that's the right first step if they don't (laughs) want recovery. You have to want it more than anything in the world. Otherwise, that could be a really hefty chunk of money that you're throwing away. Yeah. Um, Okay. Because the person could walk out on day one. Definitely. Let's talk about that too, for sure. This is, so uh, I listened to, my goodness gracious, it's got to be a 10-part series. It was Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes talking about Jason's opioid addiction. Uh And the welfare state, when it comes to addiction, doesn't work. The safety net doesn't work. Mm -hmm. The bailout Mm -hmm. doesn't work. And we have parents, because we're rebel parenting. We do marriage and parenting. But parents that call us that go, my kid is an addict, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And we say, you have to let them want it more than you. And they go, but what if they die? And they're, if you bail them out, they, they will anyway. That's the hardest part. Yeah, that's it's, the hardest part of it all. It'll just be yeah. on your hands. It won't be their choice. And yeah. can you talk to the parent whose child struggles? Because listen, I'm a parent. I would do anything. I would do it. I would die for my kid. I would do anything for my mm-hmm. kid. But bailing him out is going to be the worst thing, Johnny, but I want to do it so bad. I don't want to see him suffer anymore. I was so cavalier about this before my kids were in the ages they are now, junior high and high school. Mm. It was so easy for me to just be like, you just tell that kid to get out. And I look at my daughters now and my son now and I go, oh, that's so hard. But it's so important to have those boundaries and to, to hold them to the boundaries, to hold them to the guidelines or whatever it is that you call them. It's so hard and I watch parents, I sit with parents as they go through it. I think about my parents as I was going through my mm-hmm. recovery journey and building my testimony and all that stuff and I just think, I don't know how my parents allowed me to struggle the way I did without rescuing me because they were the experts, they yeah. could have done it. Yep. And instead they said, I never forget, my dad picked me up from jail and said, kid, I think you need to look at your issues, you need to look at your actions, 
but it's up to you. That was it. That was the whole, that was the conversation we had. Mm. And I had to have broken his heart, mm. but he didn't, you know, he, he was not going to rescue me. He wasn't that that was it. And he walked through that process with me, but he didn't, you know, it was sort of up to me to do what I needed to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I would say if your kid is out there and they're struggling and you bring up opioids, which is just, it's killing thousands of yes. people. I mean, on a daily basis, mm-hmm. it is a nightmare. It's a nightmare. And one thing, Celebrate Recovery, we are digging into the opioid epidemic and trying to figure out what we can do to help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just so scary. It's so scary. I mean, it's it's at the point now where it's like if I get surgery and they want to give me it, it's like I is what else? What yeah. other thing do you have? Because yeah, I just had I don't surgery. trust myself. I just enough, you know, right. I tell that but thing? sure, yeah, yeah Laura I just, just had full facial reconstruction uh, for cancer. For, for cancer, and wouldn't I, let him give her opioids. Oh, I didn't let him give it to me. <laughs> I, oh, I wow. sat there well, and listened to the whole thing. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want that stuff. They wouldn't, she wouldn't let yeah, him, let her. I mean, yeah, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. It's so easy to get hooked on. And so my dad's talked about uh, this, Johnny, my mom at uh, 74 story. years of age had a knee replacement mm-hmm. and her doctor put her on Oxycontin and Oxycodone 24 hours Gosh. a day for three weeks. And then he cut her off cold Turkey and didn't tell her anything. And my poor mom at 74 <laughs> thinks she's having a heart attack calls 911 ambulance shows up she's feels like she's on fire it's the most excruciating thing she's ever been through they don't know what's wrong goes home my dad calls me says your mom's called uh, 911 he was in nashville getting on an airplane it's opioid withdrawal we finally figured it out it was opioid withdrawal it was 100 percent opioid withdrawal uh, yeah oh my god it happened gosh. twice because they sent her home and then it happened again. It happened again. With that shelf life it's for that half life. And the so <laughs> this is the other thing that I want to talk to parents about. Uh, I spoke in a rehab a few years ago and there was a young kid in there, 24 years old, had been in college, college baseball player, pitcher, blew his elbow out, went to his doctor, had surgery. They gave him a bottle of 120 Oxycontins and said, don't take too many of these. Three years later, didn't graduate college, complete opioid addict, heroin addict in rehab, lost his career, lost his future because they gave a child heroin. And and so Mm. parents, I just want you to understand, one, you can't give your kids drugs. Uh, There was a young girl in there that was a a recovering heroin addict and she had gotten hooked on opioids because she had had a bad period and her mom gave her a half of an oxy to cut the pain Mm. out and that's where it started. So one, don't give your kids drugs. Two, it can just happen so So quickly. So quick. It's not this... I chose to go become a drug addict. Like that whole... (laughs) Nobody does. That whole Nancy Reagan just say no 80s, you know... that didn't work. It Thank didn't you. work. It didn't work. And it's not true. No one wakes up in the morning at a six, my six year old daughter isn't going, you know what? Someday I'm going to sell my body for heroin. Like yeah. no right. one dreams of that. It just, it's too easy. Yeah. Let's de signify yeah. the moral issue of it. <laughs> but, but I would say if you have a child who's going through this kind of stuff, allow them to feel the pain. And I know that's hard and you're going to feel the pain too, but God uses pain to get our attention. Mm -hmm. And so if we make it too easy for the people around us that are hurting with these things, we rob them from the experience of going through pain to get them to turn their life around. And again, if you're, if you have a child that's going through this or a loved one going through this, you need 
support and community and counseling and recovery and all those things, not just your child or your spouse, but you need it as much as they do. Perfect. Oh, Johnny, thank Thank you you. so much for coming on. What a blessing to have you on this broadcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. The book you've got out now is called The Road to Freedom, Healing from Your Hurts, Hangups, and Habits. What a fantastic conversation. Thanks for being on today. I loved it. Let's do it again sometime. It's fun. We'd love it. Thank you to Johnny Baker for coming on the podcast. Thanks for his vulnerability and transparency. Thank you for his book. Thank you for helping us with what to do if you have a spouse or family member that struggles with addiction. It's just part of life for some families, and we all need a little help. Thanks for sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks for helping us grow. Thank you for all your donations. They are tax-free. You can do so at rebelparenting.org slash donate. Thank you so much. Thanks to the Voice of the Martyrs for sponsoring this podcast. Persecution.com is their website. God bless Rebels. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L, and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting.